there was a pastor who was walking on down the street and he saw this young man. And this young man was laboring hard. He was, he was uh, obviously driving a uh, hay wagon and the hay had spilled over. And he was working hard, furiously, getting all that hay back up into the, into the cart. And it was under a hot sun and you could tell the man was, was uncomfortable, was hot. So the, the pastor, he came up to the man and he said, you know what, why don't you just take a break? You really look like you're awfully hot right now. And you just need a little bit of a, of a rest. Why don't you just take a little bit of rest and I'll get back in there and I'll help you out. And, we'll, and the two of us will take on that thing. And the, the young man said to the pastor, he said, I don't think my dad would appreciate me taking a break right now. And he went right back to working hard and lifting those hay bales and, and piling back up onto the wagon. And the clergyman said, well, what do you mean? Look, look how hot you are. You didn't just give your body a break for a moment. I'm sure that your dad will understand that you just need your body just needs a break for a moment. Just take it easy. I'll give you a hand. We'll get it all cut up. He man, young man came right back and said, "I know my dad just would not appreciate me taking a break right now, and I just need to I need to be working." And so he just kept on going, kept on lifting stuff, moving stuff, and and finally the clergyman said, "Well, who is your dad?" Where is your dad? Where is your, I want to talk to your dad right now because your dad is just working you too hard. If he won't even let you have a break, where is your dad? I want to talk to him right now. He said he's under the hay bales. <laughs> well, we wouldn't appreciate necessarily taking a break when you're underneath the hay bales, would you? <laughs> mm. Well, turn over to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant to you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. We want to talk today about patience and, and hopeful. The patience... A lot of times it's not always what people think it is, but patience is under duress, under stress, continuing on with the thing at hand and not giving in. Just like that young man, even though the hot sun is there, even though he's hot, he's still lifting the hay bales because there's a problem. There's a thing he needs to take care of. We need to do the same thing and have the same urgency. And we're going to see how, how being patient helps our hope. But first off here in Romans chapter 15, we see that through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. We can have hope if we operate in patience. But there's a whole lot of things out there, folks, that want to get us out of the area of being patient and into the area of being impatient where I need to go now. I need to do this now. And sometimes now isn't always the best of things. How many of you have ever... Uh, you know, need to go on a trip, need to go somewhere, and just were impatient... And I need to go now and just left and found out that was not the best time to go. Something about it wasn't right. Uh, either the store was super busy then or uh, there were problems along the way, traffic along the way, there was something going on. And if you just had been patient, hadn't pushed yourself out there, it would have been a whole lot better. There's an aspect of patience we have to get hold of so that our hope becomes developed right. In Psalms chapter 37, verse 7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Uh, how many times have we done that? Do we forever fret because somebody else is, is more prosperous than we are? Do we ever fret because this one has a job better than ours? Because this one got selected before we were selected? How many times do we fret because of Him who prospers in His way? Stop fretting because someone else prospers. 
That's what these uh, media is out there and, and the folks in the government are all trying to get. They're trying to get us to fret over people who are more prosperous than us. And they want to give us this promise that we're going to take their prosperity and pass it on to you. But it seems like the government folks take some in the meantime. Doesn't it seem to be that way? I mean, how these folks... I've always wondered, how do senators get to be millionaires? They don't make that much money. I mean, they make more money than probably you and I do. But they don't make that much money to become a millionaire. How do they become millionaires while they're in the Senate? While they're in the Congress? What is it that they do? Something just doesn't seem to right there. Go to, ought to go back to George Washington's way of doing things. That everybody in the Congress ought to be served for free. That'll weed them out. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get rid of the folks that are in there for profit, won't you? Mm. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Wait patiently for Him. Don't fret because of Him who prospers in His way. So here's the opposite. We have one way, I'm waiting patiently for God. And the other way, I'm getting fretful because someone else is doing better than I am. Someone else has been promoted. Someone else is getting a bigger bonus. Someone else is getting more than I think they ought to get. And so forth. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Even if they're wicked schemes. Even the folks who have prospered because of wicked schemes. Don't, don't fret about them. Don't get up there and be all upset. And get all, all shook up about all this sort of stuff. Don't you fret about it. Cease from anger. What kind of anger? Anger that gets mad at people who succeeded. Doing stuff they shouldn't have done. Just sit there, patiently wait for the Lord. And just say, well, Father God, I thank you that you'll take care of them. You'll do the things that are necessary with those folks. I don't need to be doing anything. I don't need to get angry at them. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Well, they aren't fretting about you, are they? You're fretting about them, so who's the harm going to come to? It's going to come to us. It's going to come to the one who does the fretting. Don't fret. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Don't mess with it. No matter how much the government types and how much the media types are all trying to get at you to, to, to fret about this one and to fret about that one and to be mad at this one. You know, now the new enemy is Goldman Sachs. They're, they're the new bad guy on, on, uh, on the government watch list. And they're, they're out there telling about how bad of things they've done and all this sort of stuff. And maybe they've done some bad things. But the only reason they were able to prosper in the housing market is because of the laws that certain congressmen made. Certain people put through. That was all. But now they're the new bad guy. And we'll get everybody to be mad at them. And so we're going to go out there and pass this uh, finance reform. How many all are in favor of finance reform? Because they've thrown you a few things out there. Oh, look at this. This will help you out. And look at this. Oh, that's good for me. Oh, that's good for me. Yes, but it puts the power in the hands of two people to come take over any financial institution they want to. Two people in this country can take over any financial institution that they want to. Two. And either one of them can do it. No act of Congress. No vote. Nothing. Do you want to do that? You all know who the two are? If not, do some research on it you'll find out. If you don't, still don't know, ask me later because I know who they are. Two people this legislation will give the power to to take over any financial institution in the country. You want to do that? 
See, they'll get you to focus on, well, look at these bad guys over here on Wall Street and look at these folks over here. Do not fret about those that are prospering doing the wrong thing. Because you know what? God's a rich God. And God can take care of you even if other people out there stealing money. Thank God for that, right? Don't get angry. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. And it's only going to cause harm to the people who fret. Don't fret. Don't get into that. For evildoers shall be cut off. What's going to happen to those folks? If they keep on going in the way of evildoing, what happens to them? Cut off. Don't know exactly what he had in mind here when he said cut off, but you know what? It isn't good. I'm glad I won't be on the side of being cut off. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. See, just focus on these things. Don't get all mindful about all that other stuff. Don't take all that other things, all those other things in. You don't need it. Evildoers shall be cut off. So he says, cease from anger. Don't get involved in this stuff. Don't go out this way. Be patient that what God has for you will come about. Don't be fretful. Because if you stay patient, it feeds hope. Now we're going to go on here again. Psalms 40. Verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined to me and heard my cry. Oh, to be heard. Isn't that a good thing? I waited patiently for the Lord. How many of you have waited patiently for the Lord for a whole day? <laughs> come on, haven't we done that before? God, I waited for a whole day. How long did you wait for that? <laughs> for God to come through. But she, she kept going back and kept looking. Father God, I thank you. Father God, I know. Patient. Waiting for them, letting that hope build. That's what we need to do. That's the way we got to go. Anger won't help you get into that. Looking at evil do. Look at that. He got a bonus. Oh, I didn't get one yet. That's not feeding hope. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. Oh, thank God He heard my cry. Thank the Lord for that. Psalms 27, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. Ever had that rise up against you? I would have lost heart unless I had believed. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. What was his defense? Believing. We need to believe. People who have hope, folks, believe. I believe this is coming this way. I believe this is going over here. I believe this is in this direction over here. I believe this is happening out in here. And I'll tell you what, there's, there's, I'm going to give you three areas in which your hope can be challenged. There are a whole lot more, but I'll bet you these three areas, each one of us has been, or is right now personally involved in that or has been in the very near past. How about relationships? How many have ever hoped for something in a relationship? Restore restoration, change something, change something going on in there. Relationships can be a big one. How about finances? How about money? Getting some money and getting a job, getting a better job. Getting a job or getting a better job. How many folks are in a place right now where their direct hope... You, know, this, you don't have to raise your hand for this. All right? You may like your job and may be perfectly happy where you are, and that's okay. But how many of you are in your job and you say, I either want a different job, a better job, or a job? 
Nobody. Wow. All right. All right. There's a couple. <laughs> I knew there were some of you out there. Yeah, declare it. I need a better job. I want a job. Relationships that are going on. Finances. These are these are things that 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 happen. How about health? Anybody got anything going on in the health area? I'm believing God for this to to happen. Not here yet, but I'm believing God for this. So we got those three areas: health, finances, and relationship. And I'll bet you that there's uh any. Watch well, this. Do it here. Anybody here that those three areas does not touch? Raise your hand. All right, and that's okay. Because we'll get you on something else. <laughs> We're just hitting three. That's only three areas. You know our life encompasses a whole lot more than three areas. But just for those three areas, you can take a look at a lot of these things. And for your, for those of you who don't have one of these three areas going on, then just uh, pick out something else in your life and you can apply it to those things. But do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me. And as such, breathe out of violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. How many of you know you can lose heart about a job when none comes? How many of you all know you can lose heart about a pay increase or a better job where you are if nothing comes? How many of you all know you can lose heart if relationships don't go the way that you want them to go? Can we not lose heart? Doesn't that mean that tear apart your emotions? That didn't really get you fired up on that area. How about health? Don't have that thing that I'm believing for? That, that thing is still bothering me in the, in the health area? I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Now understand this, folks, and you don't have to raise your hand for any of this, but there are some of you here who have lost heart because you stopped believing. You stopped believing. Now you're still talking about it. You're still wishing, but you lost heart and you're not hoping anymore. Not in the Bible hope. You're just wishing, well, I sure hope a job comes. Well, I sure hope a pay increase comes. Well, I sure hope that relationship gets fixed. Well, I sure hope I get healed. But you're just wishing. There's no more belief. You're just wishing. And it'll come out in your conversation. You know how you can tell whether you're, you're in the wishing spot? You go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, it hasn't changed. Well, I was sort of thinking nothing had changed yet. You go in for that job interview and you come out. I didn't think I was going to get that one. Well, there's another one who turned me down. You didn't get that pay raise and you go home and say, no, they raised somebody else's salary and didn't raise mine. You know, I'm a harder worker than that one is too. You're wishing, you're not believing. You know what a believer says? Did you get the raise? Not yet, but it's coming. I know it's coming. It's, I know it's coming because I believe that God said, and you lay out what God says. Did you get that job? Did you get that healing? See, your words will give you away. And this is not something you just get out there and try, folks. I love how he phrased it here. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. There's a whole lot of Christians out there that have lost heart. But just haven't talked about it yet. Just haven't said it to anyone, not even themselves. But they've lost heart because they stopped believing. But I still got to say that I believe everybody I see. Yeah, 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 I believe I'm healed. Yeah, 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 I believe I got a job. Yeah, 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 I believe I got an increase on my job. Yeah, I believe that relationship is taken care of. Mm -mm. 
I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are we in the land of the living? He's saying, I would, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you believe that you will see the goodness of the Lord in this place? Stop getting to that spot. Well, I know I'll be healed in the great by and by. At least I know when I go to heaven, I won't be sick anymore. Come on. In the land of the living. This is better. Get healed here. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. What do you have to be of good courage for? Because stuff is coming against you to try and get you to stop believing. And if it gets you to stop believing, you will lose heart. And you'll still go through the motions, but you lost heart. You know, sports is big for me. You can tell when a player on the field lost heart. They're still going through. They're still on the field of play, whatever the field of play is, but they lost heart. They're not going at it the same way. Have you seen that with people? They lost heart. They're still out there playing, but it's not the same intensity. They don't have the same same heart in the in the game there. How about relationships? You can see that in relationships. You ever had people in relationships that suddenly they lost heart in a relationship and they're just going through the motions with you? You can tell, can't you? Don't lose heart. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. It takes courage to stand up in a job interview and say, Father God, I thank you for favor. To talk to people and say, I know God has a job for me. I know that job is out there for me. And, and say it with conviction that, that you believe it. I know I'm healed. How do you feel? Don't matter how I feel. I know I'm healed. But what if that thing kills you? It's not going to kill me. I'm healed. Why? Because I believe that. I'm, I have courage. I can, and with courage, you can stand up and face stuff. That's what hope should do for you. Because we will face whatever it is that's going on. Whatever it is that's happening around, I have courage. I am strong. As you are not pulling me down. Mm-mm-mm. No, I'm standing up. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. And he say, does he say in the other verse, don't lose heart? Verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Here he's saying, be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now look over here at the Amplified Bible verse, for verse 13 and 14. What, what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage. Wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. And expect the Lord. We got to keep going in that place of being expecting. I'm expecting. I'm expecting. Uh, how many of you folks, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you folks were expecting a tax refund this year? 
that was coming through the mail. Now they're doing direct deposit and all that sort of stuff, and you just got to see it online. But how many are expecting it in the mail? And you go to the mailbox, and what do you do? Are you looking for the phone bill? Are you looking for the electric bill? Are you looking for the uh, coupons? Some of the magazines that maybe you get. What do you what do you go and what when you see the mailman go by and what takes you out there as soon as he pulls away from the mailbox? Maybe it's here. Isn't there expectation that's there? Maybe it's here. Oh, I'm gonna go out there now and take a look at it. We have an expectation that's there. Wait for, hope for, and expect the Lord. But you know, that's hard to maintain expectation when it doesn't seem like it's working. When you go to the doctor and you get the bad report. When you look into your body and you still feel the same pain. When you go from a job interview to a job interview to a job interview, waiting and expecting, and it doesn't come. When you're looking for a pay raise and everyone else gets a pay raise, but you don't. How many of y'all know it's tough to maintain expectation in that? Isn't it tough? But we have to... How do we maintain that expectation? He's telling you right here. Verse 13 again. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I must believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I cannot just know that it will happen for some people. I cannot just have a good confession. I must believe... Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Because this will challenge your courage. This will challenge what it is that you what you believe. Courage needs to come up. You need to rise up and say, No, no, no. I am not doubting. I'm not falling off on this thing. I will believe. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So he's talking about three things here. Belief, courage, and patience. Belief, Courage and patience. That's what we need to have. Belief, courage, and patience. I'm going to first off believe what the Word of God says. I'm going to have courage to stand up in front of of time after time after time of it not working. And I'm going to have patience. I will continue. I will continue. How many times have your parents said to you when you're growing up, Be patient! Come on, be patient with that thing. And we get frustrated. We want it to work now. We want it to do this, whatever it might be. And, you know, just be patient. Just wait. It's not going to be done just yet. Well, what stops us? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Oh, we got a good cloud of witnesses around, right? What's he say to do? First off, get a, set aside all the weight. Anything that's holding you back, get rid of it. Get rid of that stuff. You know, my, uh, when we were running cross country and stuff like that, you would pay good money for a shoe that would drop from 12 ounces to 9. From 9 ounces to, to 6. From 6 ounces to 4. I mean, they were making shoes light. Oh, light, light. Mm. But, you know, they didn't focus too much when I was running cross country. They didn't focus so much on the clothing. They focused somewhat on the shoes. Now they make shoes that are even better 
and lighter than they ever were before. But now they make clothing that's even better. Oh, I mean, I tell you what, I wish I had the clothing then that they have out there now. Oh, I wish I had that. We were running around in cotton t-shirts with cotton pullover sweaties. And running in New York State in the winter with the wind blowing, that didn't help. Because cotton does not protect you from wind. And you, and you sweat. And I remember time and time again running out there in the cold. And you have a, a, sweat, a sweatshirt on and a short sleeve shirt. And there's all cotton. That's all they had. Cotton. And cotton absorbs water. And once it gets wet, what's cotton do? It stays wet. And so what would happen is, and up in New York where we were at, the wind was high. We had high winds all the time. And so you get that high wind that would come in and would come in through the hoodie, blow and fill up all of your clothes with all this nice cold air, freeze the sweat on the material, and then when the wind would die down, the, it would land back on you. And you did this time after time after time after time after time after time after time for the whole run. It was like this. And oh, that would just wear on you for a little while. But that's all you had. We didn't know anything else. Now they've got materials out there that hardly absorb any water at all and are there to insulate you. And they've got other materials out there that you can put on for an outer shell and that stops the wind from coming through. And oh, I tell you what, the stuff you can do. I think I've told you the stories before, but I actually had it logged out. I have a whole chart made up of all the materials that I have now and what temperature to wear what. I've got it all labeled out. So well, if it's 20 degrees out, this and this is all I need. And I would just put that and that on. And you're cold for the first mile, but then after that, you're fine. You know, if it gets down to 10, you need this, this, and this. But there, I've never found any temperature with any type of wind or any type of weather conditions where I needed more than three pieces of clothing to go out in the wintertime. Because of what they have out there now. Phenomenal materials. Oh, I'll tell you what, I wish... But it's light. Oh, it's so light. It hardly feels like anything at all. It's not going to hold you back, not hindering you. Why? Because you lay aside the weights. You don't need to carry all that additional weight. What good does it do to carry all that stuff? And that's what the Spirit of God wants you to understand. What good does it do to carry along all these kind of extra baggage? What kind of extra baggage are you carrying around? How about some worry? How about some fretting? How about some anger? Those things are weights. They're going to slow you down. They're going to hinder you from going on. You don't need them. Get them out. Lay them aside. Take all those things that are weights, lay it aside. Take the sin that easily ensnares us and get rid of it. You don't need it. Why in the world are you going to carry all that stuff? You ever see those people who run when they have weights in their hands? You ever see that? You know, the people that are running and they got little weights in their hands? You never see me with that. I laid every weight behind. I didn't carry them. I know they're doing it for other reasons. <laughs> They're doing it, you know, to build up certain things, and that's all good. They have their reasons for it. But, you know, when I went out to run, I went out for one purpose, to go fast. That's why I went out to run. I went out to run fast. And they're just going to slow you down. God wants you to run the race fast because He wants you to run the race like you're going to win. So get rid of all that stuff. Every time you want to get mad at at uh, somebody who's come up in the news because, you know, they got rich off of some deal. No, I don't need to fret about them. I don't need to be angry about them. Nope. Nope, not going to carry that around because that hinders me. Fretting hurts me. It doesn't hurt anybody else. It hurts me because I'm the one fretting. 
They're not fretting. I'm fretting. I'm not going to get hurt by that. Lay aside every weight. Lay aside the sin. James chapter 5. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another. Can he say that more clearly? Do not grumble against one another. He can't say that any more clearly, can he? Yet how many times do we say, well, brother so-and-so, whenever they get off and they do that, oh, sister so-and-so, whenever they get off and they do that, oh, I don't like that. What are you doing? I'm grumbling. Do not grumble against one another, brethren. Now, if you have one of those Bibles where if you don't like the Scripture, you can just take it out, you might want to remove this one. My Bible doesn't have it that way. They all stay in there. <laughs> but, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. If you want the good, you got to take the stuff that doesn't sound so good because it's going to help you. Do not grumble against one another. Don't do it. Lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I don't want to be condemned. So if I grumble against another person, then I'm going to get condemned myself. Don't do it. You get that thought, and you know we all get those thoughts. Because brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so said this, did this, went this way, whatever it was. And the thought comes in, oh, they shouldn't do that. And I begin to meditate on that thought. And then I begin to find brother or sister so-and-so to talk about that thought. And brother or sister so-and-so agrees with me that that thought is wrong. And that they shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. And we begin to grumble and to complain with each other. What are we doing? Bringing each other into judgment. Don't do it. Love on each other. If you have something against someone, what are you supposed to do? Go to them. If it's not worthwhile to go to them, then don't grumble against one another. That'll be a weight. That'll be something that you pick up. Don't do it. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. An example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So what are you supposed to do if you suffer? Call sister so-and-so? Pray. Isn't it amazing how many people are suffering and they want you to, to, to do this and do, do that, but the Word of God says, what are they supposed to do? Pray. You need to pray. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So that's what you do. If you're sick, what do you do? Stay home? <laughs> what do you do? Come to church, ask the elders. I want prayer. That's what you do. Now, if you come up with your own way of doing things, don't wonder why it doesn't work. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Confess your trespasses to one another. Don't grumble. But confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Our goal should be to be effective and fervent in prayer and not just mass quantities of it. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're not going to get into all this here, but Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do. He wasn't patient. He wasn't courageous in facing all these things. Saul yielded to the, all, all these things that were going around. This is back in the, in the part, verse 8, where he says he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. What did Samuel say? Wait seven days, I'm going to come make the sacrifice. The priest supposed to make the sacrifice. Saul's waiting for seven days. On the seventh day, people are beginning to disperse. People are beginning to, to leave and to go away. And fear is coming upon the people. And he's losing his army. And so what's he say? He says, well, I better do something. Bring the burnt offering here. And they bring the burnt offering to him. And he sacrificed the burnt offering. And as soon as he finishes sacrificing the burnt offering, who comes? Samuel. What would you do? Well, when I saw that the people, then I saw that the enemy, and he, began to, and he begins to blame all the other things. Well, I saw this and I saw that. What basically happened? He stopped believing. He lost heart. He was not courageous. Now, let's take Saul's example and apply it to ours. Let's take the first one, health. Well, when I saw the doctor's reports and I felt the pain in my body, I decided I ought to... Huh? All right, that one doesn't get you so much. So let's go on to another one. I'm believing God for more money in my job and a pay raise. Well, when I saw that Joe was promoted and that Sally was given a pay raise and that I wasn't. And when I understood that they were not Christians and that they had not behaved rightfully on the job, then I decided I ought not to behave rightfully on the job and that I ought not to do this as well. What's the Lord say? Now be courageous. Do not lose heart. Be patient. Be believing. All right, we don't like that one. We'll go on to another one. Those of you who are looking for a job. Well, when I've gone to my 50th interview and no one called me back or no one uh, they gave the job to someone else, then I decided, then I lost heart, then I quit believing, whatever it might be. Why? But what's the Lord say? Be courageous. Be believing. Do not lose heart. Be courageous. Be believing. Do not lose heart. This is what we need to do. I need to be courageous. But I, you don't picture this. Courageous? To be believing for a job? To be believing for a pay increase? To be believing for this or for that? No, that's not courageous. Why? Because you, you want to tell yourself that? Whatever it is that affects your believing is coming against you and you need to be courageous and standing up against it because it's your battle. It's your fight. When you feel that pain in your body, when you hear that doctor's report, 
When they show you that chart, when they show you that picture, that x-ray, here it is. Look at that. And fear wants to come up and take hold of you. You say, no, I will not stop believing. I will not stop trusting in God. I am patient. I am waiting because I know. I know what I believe is coming about. And then, of course, the devil will come on in, especially in the area of finances. Well, you're not the only one who needs a job. There's other people out there who need a job too. How many have ever heard? How many have ever thought that when you're out there looking for a job, either past, present, or future? I guess not future, but past and present. You've thought that. You've had that thought come in and say, "Well, there's other people that are looking for a job too." Well, there's other people who need a pay raise on my place of employment too. Well, there's other people who need more of this in my where I work. How many of you ever think that? And the thought comes in and we begin to entertain that and we begin to become you know, loving and caring to all these other people. That's too bad you don't serve a bigger God. Because the, the God that I see in the Word of God is able to give a promotion to all that He wants to. He's able to find jobs for all that He needs to find. But we have this attitude, we have this mindset that says, well, I'm just a little peon in the family of God. Who am I? I'm sure he has other people that have uh, more urgent job needs and more urgent pay increase needs and more urgent health needs. And My word, folks, if he's out there counting your hairs, don't you think he's got some time on his hands? I mean, do you spend time counting hairs? Why? Because you're busy. He apparently is not being taxed in the area of time. He's sitting over there counting hairs. And you lose one, he's counting it. Oh, we got a, lost one over here. <laughs> he's counting hairs. My word, if God can count hairs on your head, I think he's got time to take care of jobs and pay increases and health things and relationships and stuff like that. But you've got to believe that that's the God that you serve. If you let these other things come in, you're not being courageous. You're not being believing. And you're not going to have hope. You're going to have wishing. Oh, I, I wish I get this job. Oh, I would really like to have this job. I hope that God sees fit that I just might be able to get in and have this job. Oh, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. That's why he says, be courageous. Be courageous. Be believing. Do not lose heart. That's what he says. Saul... He was afraid and he lost patience. We talked about fear before. Fear comes in. I'm afraid I'm going to lose this. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid this isn't going to go the right way. I'm afraid people are going to see me this way. I'm afraid people are going to think this. Fear comes in. I'm afraid if I stand up and say that's mine because I have that from God that it's not going to happen. I'm not saying that, you know, just because you pick a job that you can go out there and say that job is mine. I'm saying God has a job for you. God has a job for you. You can just go before God and say, Father God, I thank you. You have a job for me. I need a job. I want a job. And you want me to have a job. So I thank you that you have a job for me. Take me where it is. Leave me where it is. And you get in over there and you get, you get an interview with them. You walk into the place and God says, this is it. I want you here. Oh, glory to God. All right, good. This is it. And you operate in such a way that you believe that that's your job. There's nothing wrong with that. Listen to God. 
you don't have that kind of knowledge about a job, but you uh, know that God wants you to have one, then you just operate on the, on the fact that, Father God, I thank you that you give me favor and that people want to hire me. But if you have that attitude of, woe is me, I'm just going to go over here in the corner and eat some worms. Go for that hee-haw song. I mean, I remember hee-haw. What had that uh, chorus go? Oh, I can't even think of it now. It's been out of my, out of my thought too long. No, not that one. <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony, just singing away at it. I mean, they had a fun time with that little song there. <laughs> Their faces didn't seem like they believed any of that sort of stuff, but they going over there talking about gloom, despair, and agony on me and all the bad stuff that would happen and, and things. But sometimes we get, we get into that mentality. We get into that frame of mind. And we walk in, we have that gloom all over you. And people say, I don't want to hire you. But they won't tell you that. No, you come in charged up, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with power, filled with belief. There's other people who had this as well. Abraham. Well, there's a whole lot of other people who want kids too. Why should you believe that you're a father of many nations? Why should that come to you? How about Joseph? Why should you be the ruler of all these people? Why should your parents come on down and bow before you? How about David? Look at all these other people, David. A whole lot of folks out here want to be king. Why should you be king? Why should you think that this should fall to you? Be courageous. Be strong. Be believing. Don't lose heart. Romans chapter 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. How many of you glory in tribulations? No, we run from them, don't we? We don't glory in tribulations. We run from them. I know I've used this example before, but that's one of the things I learned when I was in college going through cross country. I didn't know what tribulations were. I thought that, you know, when you ran, you just went out and ran 10, 15 miles and came back. I didn't know anything else. That's all I knew. All right, run 10 miles today, run 15 miles today, run 20 miles. I could run 20 miles at a spot. It didn't, didn't bother me. And um, I got to college and we found out that uh, it wasn't about how far you went. It was about how well you did it. And they introduced these things called intervals. Anybody know what an interval is? An interval is a short period of running that I would scoff at and say, what do you mean I have to run a quarter mile? you know how many quarter miles I can run in a day? Come on. But they would put you out there on the track and they would say, you've got to run a quarter mile. Now my, my coach's favorite workout Absolute favorite workout. And he backed off a little bit. He got a little mellower by the time I was there because the guys tell me the stories of what he was like before. But we would run three, four miles warm up. And then we would ride to the track. And then we would run 20 quarter mile intervals. We would get two minutes of rest between each one. But you had to run each quarter mile interval at 85% of your top speed. 85%. Got two minutes off between each one. And he had a stopwatch. And he would click that stopwatch when he would say, go. And you'd run. And if you passed the, the, the quarter mile mark and you ran it in 60 seconds, he'd take note of that. You ran it in 60 seconds. You better not run the next one any slower than 63. You better keep that pace up. Now, you know, three, four, five, six, that's no problem. But seven, eight, nine, it's starting to get a little bit of a struggle. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 
18, 19. Here we are, last one, 20. And like I told you, he mellowed out a little bit by the time I got there. Because then after the 20 quarter mile runs with two minutes of rest between each one, he then made you go out and do hills. And we had this beautiful little hill in front of the campus and we would have to run up and down that uh, four, five, six, seven times, whatever he decided. And then you run three, four miles cool down. So you have three, four miles warm up, five miles of running for the intervals at 85% speed and three or four miles cool down. That was better than any 20-mile workout I'd ever been on. But you see, you couldn't just go through those, uh, those trials and tribulations. You had to love them. As long as you hated intervals, you would never become a cross-country runner. You had to get to the place where you loved intervals. You look forward to them. Is it interval day today? No, it's tomorrow. Oh, I've got to wait till tomorrow. Really? You had to love them. You had a glory in tribulations because when you gloried in, when you, you, would, you would look at that interval and say, 60 seconds, you are not a problem. I'm going to tear you apart. I'm going to get you. And you just had to give that mentality because if you didn't adapt that mentality during the, the tests, the trials, the intervals, you weren't ready for race. You weren't not ready for race day because I found out my first year race day was nothing like I thought it was. Nothing like I thought it was. And it took me until second year until I graduated to a level where I could finally understand that race day, I had never run a race in my whole first year cross country. Not one time. And then second year, I found out what racing was a little bit more like. Oh, I ran races, but I didn't run them right. Oh, and I found out but I was adapting more of that mentality. And I still don't have it down as to the degree that I should. But you have to glory in tribute. You had to look at those intervals. You had to look at those tests and trials that came upon you during the day. And you say, give it to me, devil. Throw me your best shot. Because I'll beat you. You want me to doubt? You want me to, un to fall into this belief because of this? Come on. you got to have more than this. You've got to have more than that. Come on, there's got to be... Just you have that attitude that says, no, you're not tearing me down with this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various intervals. <laughs> Tests and trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing. Patience has to have its, have its work. Oh, Father God, you don't know how long I've been waiting for this thing to come on by. You don't know how long I've been waiting for this job. You don't know how long I've been waiting for this pay increase. For this promotion. You don't know how long I've been waiting for this thing to get fixed. See, you're not ready yet. See, all you had to do is come up to the coach and say, Coach, can I stop early? Oh, that's not the thing to do. You don't want to do that, ever, to any coach in any anything. And I learned that about coach. And I changed my mentality. I remember one day I went up to the coach. We were in the middle of the season, so I had to be careful about this. And I just had the, the itch to run. And we only had practices Monday through Friday. Saturday you practiced on your own, and Sunday was optional. But I came to him on Friday and I said, Coach, is it okay if tomorrow I run 20 miles? 
And he looked at me and he says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you do it as long as you take Sunday off. Oh, okay, all right. Because <laughs> I wanted to run 20 miles. I wanted to in the worst way. We were always doing time in 10, 12-mile runs. Oh, I wanted to go off on a long, nice long run. So sure enough, that Saturday went out because I had a different mentality. Some of you folks are thinking, 20 miles, I don't want to do that. And you don't ever have to adapt an attitude that I want to run. What you have to understand and why Paul used this example is you have got to adapt the attitude that there is no test and trial that the devil will throw at me that will make me stop. I'm going to the doctor today. And the thought comes in, what's the doctor going to say? I bet he's going to say you got worse. I bet you that's what he's, he's going to say. He got worse. We've got to get that mentality that says, I don't care if he says I did get worse. I am healed. I don't care if they tell me I don't have the job. I have a job. I don't care if they tell me I didn't get the pay increase. I am getting paid more. That's what you have to get to. And then he goes on to say, If any of you likes wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. It will be given to you. If you don't have wisdom on a thing, ask for it. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Oh, folks. We need to, we need to get beyond these things. We need to get to a place where we are ready to move on. Where... Tests and trials, we just see them, this is just an opportunity to move on. Every time they tell you no, it's an opportunity for your faith to grow. Every time they tell you no, it's an opportunity for your faith to grow. Test and trials, test and trials, test and trials. We've got to get to the place, folks, where we just say, bring on those tests and trials. Bring on those tests and trials. I don't care. Bring on those tests and trials. I am not going to fall. I will be believing. I will be courageous. I will not lose heart. And you go out for a job interview this week. I will be believing. I will be courageous. I will not lose heart. You go out there to the doctor this week to get another checkup on your condition. I will be believing. I will be courageous. I will not lose heart. Even if the doctor gives you a bad report, inside you just laugh. <laughs> Devil, you think that was going to take me down? Mm -mm. No. There's a whole lot more Christian here than that. You're going to need a whole. You're going to, have to bring your your A game here. That's kind of like a C game, there, Devil. It's not doing so good. You gotta, you gotta step it up. You're not pulling me down with that. Just taunt him. Oh, I don't want to make him mad. <laughs> what? He's gonna be your friend? <laughs> Maybe you have a chance of winning him over. Really? I don't quite think that you got the chance to win that boy over. He's against you. He wants to bring you down. He wants to tear you apart. Laugh at him. You will not get me to stop believing. God wants me to have a job. God wants me to have a better job. God wants me to be in health. God wants me to be healed. God wants me to have good relationships. And I will have it. I will be believing. 
And I'm going to go through the Word of God and I'm going to find out what does the Word of God say for me in that area. Because that's what I believe. And I feed off of those things. I feed off of that. I take those things in. I am whatever it is that I need. Whatever it is that I'm believing for. I don't wish that I have it. I know I have it. It is mine. I've got it from God. God gave it to me. God promised it to me. It is mine. It is mine. It doesn't belong to someone else. It belongs to me. And devil, you get your hands off that job. You get your hands off my body. You get your hands off that promotion. You are not allowed to hold that back from me anymore. And believe that God actually wants good things for you. Because you've lost heart. Some have. And you begin to think that maybe God doesn't want that many good things for me. Maybe there's some things that I just have to suffer through. Maybe there's some things that I just have to endure. No. No. You don't. But you've got to be believing. You've got to be courageous. You cannot lose heart. Be believing. Be courageous. Don't lose heart. What are we supposed to hold fast to? We are to hold fast to the confession of our hope, folks. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. You need to renew yourself on some of these things. Don't go out there thinking, well, it's going to take me a little while to get myself in shape so I can take on those races, so that I can take on those situations that are in front of me. No, it doesn't. Just get yourself right now. Just say, Father God, I stopped believing. I, I lost heart. But I am going to change that. I'm going to feed off of what your word says. What does your word say for me? about my health? What does your word say for me about my job? What does your word say for me about my finances? What does your word say for me about my relationships? That's what I am going to believe. We have more to finish off on here. Potentially we'll get into that next week. We'll see. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Change your belief. Change your belief. Stop believing that God wants less than He does for you. Stop believing that your latter years are supposed to be worse than the former years. Stop believing that you have to have a less job than someone else does because, well, you just need to be humble. Stop being mad because so-and-so is prospering and doing well and they're doing it illegally or through shady means. Stop being angry. That's just a weight. It's just holding you back. Stop being mad because this one got this and you didn't get it. And be rejoicing. And be thankful. And every day you wake up, Father God, I thank you that I have health. Perfect health. I thank you that I have a new job. I thank you I have a better job. I thank you I have a better paying job. I thank you I have joy. I thank you that my finances are taken care of because I operate in the wisdom of God. I thank you that my relationships are doing just fine because I'm operating by the principles of God. And I will not speak out anything against what I believe. I believe I have what I've been promised. I believe it. And I don't care how many doctors and I don't care how many reports tell me something different. I believe I have what you say. And you keep going back to the Word. And you keep going back to the Word. And if you are saying right now in your, in your own mind, 
yeah, but I did that. That should be a red flag and you should just realize, I have lost heart. And if you're not willing to admit it to yourself that you have lost heart, you're not going to get it fixed. There's a reason why all these verses we looked at address the fact, do not lose heart. Be believing. Don't lose heart. The devil knows if he can attack you in the area of your belief that you lose heart in going after that thing, if he can get that from you, he's got you beat. Don't matter what it is that you learn, doesn't matter what it is that you do, doesn't matter how much word you take in, as long as you lost heart, as long as you're not going to be courageous, as long as you're not going to stand up to the devil, to stand up to the things that come against you, as long as you won't do that, it's, it is over. It is over. Pull yourself back. Father God, I need to build up on the Word. I need to have heart again. I need to be believing. I need to be courageous. And I will not lose heart again. I will trust that what you said in your Word is right. I won't just wish for a new job, for a better job, for health, for better relationships. I won't just wish for it. I believe it's mine. I believe it's mine. That's where you got to be. And all the trials and tribulations that you face are just getting you ready for what's coming up. My coach one day, he opened up to us, at least to me anyway, the beauty of intervals. You know what the beauty of intervals was? You ran a race, a small part at a time. There's a whole lot more to him than that. Now, basically, you ran a race a little part at a time. And by running in a little part at a time, you were ready to run the big race all at once. God is just... Trials and tribulations come about getting you ready to run the big race all at one time. He's just getting you ready. Count it all joy when you run into all kinds of various trials and tribulations because the testing of your faith produces endurance. The problem with Christians is we don't endure. We fight for a little while and then we give up. Well, I guess I just have to accept this. Uh, I guess this is just one of those things. And we let our hope, which is a certain hope, turn into a wishing hope. Oh, I sure hope that someday that comes through for me. And we didn't even realize it. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us, for the life that is in us, for the Word of God that is in us. That, Father, we may have lost heart on some of the battles that we are facing right now. But we're waking up to the fact that we did. And we're ready to stand up and to have heart in this battle. To have courage. To be believing and not doubting. Because we are called to be victors. Be strong and be courageous. Be believing. Don't lose heart. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us in that. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.